while you're standing if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 17 with me <clears throat> I'm glad to know Satan's defeated I'm glad to know these little silly things all his way just scratching and just pitching a fit as he's acting like a little defeated whipped child We can do a wardrobe change and swap out the other one if I have to. It wasn't making the noise. Might as well go ahead and bring it on up and we'll swap out the headset as well. <clears throat> Satan will use that buzzing and that humming noise to distract you from what God has for you this morning. That's pitiful, isn't it? That it's as best he's got. You weren't defeated. When Satan woke up every day, he's been defeated. And you act as how you are. Your 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 attitude, your 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 motive, your objective, all those things is if you were to walk around each day claiming to be a Christian but yet have no victory in your life, you know, your fruit proves what you are. But when you know that you have victory in your life and you know that God is leading you, God has saved you, redeemed you, restored you, it changes how you get up each morning. It changes how you talk to one another. It changes how you keep your relationships with each other. Now, Satan's the same way because he's always hurt. He's always bitter. He's always offended. He tries to scratch and howl and do every little thing he can, try to get between each one of us just because he got his feelings hurt. <laughs> Genesis chapter 17. <clears throat> I want to read verse 7. This is the Lord speaking. No, let's read verse 6. Let's read verse 6. Back up just one, Charity. I will make thee. He said, I will make thee. This is the creator. This is the one that made Saturn. He made the sun. He made this moon. He said, I will make thee. I'll make thee exceeding fruitful. I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. You may be seated this morning. Now, we say all the time that God keeps his word, God keeps his promises. I'm going to take a few different spots in the scripture today, and I'm going to prove it to you. As I say, beyond the shadow of a doubt, and I pray that it's beyond any shadow of doubt that Satan would leave in your heart, because if he's their God, he's your God, because he promised that I am not a respecter of persons. I will be unto thee as unto thee. Turn to Daniel chapter 3. <coughs> The king had made his declaration and, and he had all asked all of his magicians and all his wise men to uh, discern unto them this dream that he'd had that had been puzzling him and troubling him and, and he couldn't find out a way to understand it. He couldn't find out a way to, to get it figured out in his own mind and, and he then told all of his magicians and his wise men and told them, you repeat back to me the dream that I had and they said, no one can do this. 
and if you tell us the dream, then we'll be able to explain your dream to you. He said, no. He said, I know that you're a liar, and you'll try to make something up to try to get around what actually it meant. So he told them, and if you don't come up with something, if you can't tell me what it means in the next so amount of time, I'm going to kill every single one of you. All the way down. I kill every single one of you. This hearing come to Daniel's ears. This, this statement that the king had made come to Daniel's ears. And he goes and asks the captain. And he asks him, he said, what is going on? He explains it to him. And he says, if you'll give me a day or two days, three days, whatever it is. He said, you let me, let me give a little bit of time to get before the Lord. He said, I'll get you an answer to that dream. Daniel's your brother. Daniel's no different than you in Christ. He said, I'll get you an answer to that dream. Because God speaks to his people. God's obligated himself to his people. This ain't nothing that you've done. This is what he obligated. Same God. Same God. So God gives him the revelation of that dream, and he lets him dream it again, lets him see it, then comes back and gives the interpretation to it. He takes it to the king, and the king steps back and says, Your God is God. Your God is God. So he was so impressed with what God did to this one believer that now he erects a statue in honor of that one believer. And everyone in the kingdom had to turn and bow and give honor and praise to that statue. Now, this decree come out and told anyone that does not bow to this statue, you will be thrown into the furnace. He did seven times hotter than ever he did before. <laughs> now, in your mind, I don't know how that, that wire felt funny. I don't know how that when you think about that furnace, your, your mind comes, uh, begins to quantify that for your own imagination, whether it was this big massive steel encased or case or, or cast iron or, or whatever it might be, but, and you had a front door you walked in, or if it was a, a pit that you walked over and just chunked fire over into it and the heat kind of come out and capture the, the castle like that, however you might have thought this would be. But the point of it was it was heated seven times hotter and that was the pagans' decision to heat it seven times hotter. This wasn't Nebuchadnezzar reading through his Bible and saying, God likes that number seven an awful lot. Let me use that number. That was not his decision. That was just something that just kind of put in his heart. Let's not just do it two times, five times. Let's do it seven times. And so if you were to take that, that, that catalyst, that number, that, that Fahrenheit, and just keep multiplying it and multiplying it and multiplying it, that you almost put that heat to past the temperature of the sun. In our galaxy, in our solar system, the sun is the most powerful thing here in a natural sense. It is hands down. All planets, all piles of dirt would admit you walk outside on a sunny day, it'll start to burn you. It, you would agree, it's the most powerful, and this was heated hotter than that. This is to prove to you right now today in 2023 that your God is greater than that, son. Amen. Greater than any furnace of fire, greater than any test, any trial that you will ever, ever, ever go through. That's nothing but the truth. <clears throat> nothing but the truth. Chapter 3, Daniel chapter 3, verse 10. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man shall hear the, that shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falls not down in worship, that he should be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set after the affairs of the province of Babylon. Now, this is just a few years after the I Am stood in the presence of their great, 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 great granddaddy and said, I will be their God. Now, I'm going to prove to you by the scripture that he meant it. 
Whoso falleth down not falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast in the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. You can almost hear the disdain and the sarcasm in that voice. There are certain Jews that you set over us. Who do you think you are? Setting them over us. They're our slaves. And you set them over us. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What do you call them by their Hebrew name? You want to use them by their Roman, their, their Babylonian name. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah was their Hebrew name. That's what they were given. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king. And again, you can almost hear that sarcasm in their voice. Have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his, it's italicized, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now these men knew how to play on his ego. They knew how to play on his, his, uh, his machoism and, and, and all those things as, as far as, you know, thou king, that you did this and you did this. And they ramped him up. They come to him and bring their decree almost like a conning, lying front man. This is what you did, and they spit on you. This is what you did, and they don't care what you say. This is what you did, and they're laughing in your face. Then they worked him into such a fury that Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake unto them, and is it true? He said unto them, is it true? O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods? Do not you serve my gods? He's telling you that I set up Daniel as a god. That statue was an image of Daniel. That statue was an image of Daniel, and Nebuchadnezzar is telling them, don't you serve my gods? He didn't like that, did he? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? And again, it said his rage, his fury, his gods, his image. It means nothing. Literally means nothing. Who is he but a worm? What is man but that God is mindful of him? Now, if you be ready, if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, well. You reading that too? You worship it and you do it well. So now they're being judged on their worship. You know that you're being judged on your worship. You are this morning being judged on your worship, how you esteemed him. If you were like Simon and the rest of those sitting around his house, disgusted at Mary washing his feet and crying over him and lifting him up and giving him glory, they were disgusted at her. You're judged on your worship. He said, if you do it well. <clears throat> But if you worship not, you should be cast the same iron in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace and italicize who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands. Interesting parallel. We just read Genesis 17 when I am, the Elohim said, I'll be their God. Now we have a direct taunt against him. Who, your Bible's italicized. You read that too? Who is that God <clears throat> that shall deliver you out of my hands? Again, as if he was anything. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. 
if it be so, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the firing, burning, burning fiery furnace. He will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then, then, if he wasn't mad enough before, then was Nebuchadnezzar plumb full of fury. He was full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I, I'd have bet he'd have looked demon-possessed. I bet that demon would have flared out of his face and played back and said, what's that? Because it would have to be a demon that would do this. This isn't going to be someone in the right mind to destroy someone else in that, such of a manner. The form of his visage was changed against them. <clears throat> And therefore he spake and commanded they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Almost makes it like the furnace didn't even want to be heated that much. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army <coughs> to, to, that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to cast them in the burning fiery furnace. Now, if these men had any discernment whatsoever, and their own life. And they done seen what God did through Daniel. Done seen the, how they heard the stories, no doubt, of the pulse that these men had been eating. They weren't eating of the king's table. They weren't eating of his meat, drinking of his wine. They were eating pulse and water, eating pulse, drinking water. And yet they looked more healthy than any of the ones at the king's table. Literally living on just some kind of less than porridge, less than oatmeal, something like that, just a mush. And they looked more healthy because they served a creator than the ones that won't serve the creator. Now, the, you know that testimony got around. You know somebody had to hear about it. Now, we've been watching genealogy for a while. We're soldiers. These are men saying this. You know, we're soldiers. We understand that if you want to build muscle, you need a certain amount of meat. You need a certain amount of red meat. You need a certain amount of protein to build muscle. That way you'll be able to stand up and fight in an army. These were mighty men. You understand it said? And so if you'll eat this red meat, if you'll do these things, you'll be strong enough where you can withstand and fight someone. You need a lot of energy and all these things to be able to consume. Yet we know these things that this is how we make energy, we make protein, we make all these things to be able to walk out to fight. You understand that if you've ever been in a fight with someone, in less than 60 seconds, if you're not in good shape, you're gassed, you're, you're wiped out. 60 seconds. Can you imagine hours and hours and hours? You, you're not just going to be a little wimp. I mean, you need to be in very good shape. And the way they get in shape was you eat this, this, and this, and this, and this. And now that is what you do, hands down. No argument. Everybody knows that's what you do. Now, we've got these weird-looking Hebrews that are not doing anything that we do, but they look better than us. They look more healthy. Their faces are glowing. Their skin looks better. Their fingernails, which is the first thing that shows, is your fingernails, your eyes, and your skin starts to show what's going on, on the inside. And every part about them looks good. See, that testimony, guarantee you got around. Now, you have these men that are called by the king the mighty men. If they were mighty, at least in wisdom or valor, they'd have said, you know what? I got to call in sick today. I don't want to do that. There's something wrong. There's no, those men don't need to be destroyed. There's something wrong there. Let me go off to war. Let me go do anything else but do that. For one, it meant their life. So, at the end of this, you realize that Nebuchadnezzar is now down his mighty men. So if you had an alpha platoon or any of those things like that, okay, this is what we're going to do. You think it's a bad decision? You think it's not something we should do? No, go ahead and go, and now we have no more alpha platoon. Just like that. God has it all in control. 
all in control. <coughs> then he commanded the most mighty men that were in. You notice that word is italicized weirdly for some reason. They were. They were. They're not going to be there much longer. They were. Past tense. In his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast from the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats. Their coats, their hosen, and their hats. And their other garments. And were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Now, again, detail. Detail, 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 detail. These men were not thrown in there in their underwear. They were not thrown in there in very little clothing because clothing is very flammable. You didn't just put their clothes on. You put their hose on. You put your hat on, and you pile other garments on them because it's very, very flammable and go up like that. And you didn't just walk them up there and say, you'll start in the middle and kind of, you know, start in the edge of it and kind of just ease yourself into it. No, they were thrown in the depth, right in the midst of it says the midst of the burning fiery fire, fire, fiery furnace to prove that God is God. Remember, because this is the chant. This is the taunt the enemy is making. You think your God is God, and God said, I'll prove you that I'm God. Now, what's about to happen is a blend in dimensions. It's a blend in dimensions. How many people do you know that can be right in the middle of a fire and not even smell like smoke? Anybody? Nobody? Again, we burn wood stove in our house. You're going to get near us and you'll smell like smoke. Not even being burning in. You don't even get near us. You smell like smoke. They were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, the I am, Elohim, just said, I will make you exceeding fruitful. He said, I'm going to make you exceeding fruit. Now, look at his promises. His promise is what we stake our whole lives on. His promises is what changes you from what you were to what you will be. It's his promises. This is not your word. It's his word. He's able to back it up and bring it to pass. He said, I'm going to make you exceeding fruitful. Satan heard it, and Satan said, oh, yeah? Well, I'll make that fire exceeding fruitful. You're reading it, too. Because the furnace was exceeding hot, The flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, rose up in haste, and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose. Loose, walking in the midst of the fire, they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. The form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, I stand here today, and I'm preaching out of this Bible. I, with all my heart, believe it is not a myth. This is not a fable. This is not a tale. This happened, and God did that. And he don't change. He will never, ever, ever, ever change. He said, like the son, of, the fourth is like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the, the, the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the most high God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire 
and the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men, here's their examination, upon whose body the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. By the way, this is part six. Change in our Adams, his rainbow covenant. I was listening to Revelation chapter four series. I've been reading those a lot lately, listening to those a lot lately. I, I, they're, they're beautiful. There's four sermons there, that, three sermons and questions and answers that if you've not heard them, <clears throat> you need to hear them. He was talking about John and, and you know, they, taught, they called our Lord Jesus. They called him a, a um, they called him a witch. They called him a devil. They called him, you have a devil. You are a devil. You do these things by the house of Baal. All these things they said about him, trying to, 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 to tear down his reputation, to try to make him look like nothing. And yet now you have, they said all these things about him, and then you find John, the beloved, that they've got him, that they're trying to kill John as well. They don't like the things that are saying. They don't like the things that he's doing. So what they do, <coughs> excuse they say that he's a witch. And they're going to burn him at the stake. They're going to put him in a pot of oil, and they're going to burn him in this pot of oil. They're going to boil him in this pot of oil. They're saying that he is a witch. So they put him in a big old bowl. I don't imagine cast iron cauldron. I don't know how big it was. Big enough to fit a man in it. Then they're going to boil him in grease to death. So they're saying he's a witch. They're going to boil him to death. So they get him in there, and it won't even boil. It won't even come to a boil. Won't even come to a boil. So if someone in their right mind would have stepped back and said, you know what, we should pull him out and let this man go. They said, he bewitched that grease. They said he bewitched the grease. But he was on the aisle for the word of the Lord. Turn over to chapter, Daniel chapter 6. Now we have the decree give out. We have this decree that's went forth and, and there was, it had been found in this testimony of Daniel and they still don't like Daniel. They're still trying to tear him down. Now this decrees went forth, Daniel 6 verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that this writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day. Three times a day. Kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Windows being opened. We covered that Noah's Ark where that window was placed at. Where the window was placed. And now he's got his windows open and three times a day. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Now you knew they knew that. They knew he was going to find him. They, 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 they weren't walking up there and shocked. Oh my goodness, Daniel didn't keep the king's command. They, they walked together. Okay, you come. We need plenty of witnesses. So you, 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 let's all go down that way. We can all say we just happened upon our dear friend Daniel and, and just caught him in such a terrible position. They all gathered, they assembled, found Daniel praying, making supplication before, and they said like this, his God. Making it very clear, not our God. You see their disdain? Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any God or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions? Then the king answered and said, the thing is true. According to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. See, they'd already tricked him into this. You should do this. You should do this because they still have a problem with them. 
Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, that Daniel, which is of the, again, you can hear that disdain in their voice, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself. Now he's starting to get some wisdom. Now he's starting to begin to understand. He's still foolish. He's still making bad choices, but now he's starting to understand. It's not said of him right here, right now, that he was all full of fury within himself. Now he's realized, I've made a mistake. I let them rush me into something. The king, when he heard these words, was sort of displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. He labored to the going down of the sun to deliver him. And we've shared that with you a lot because I want to insert this right now. What the prophet taught us that, that every scripture, if you can't find the Lord Jesus Christ on every page of the Bible, in every verse, in every bit of it, you need to go back and read it again. Now, as we run through these next few verses, you'll, you'll get a very up-close modern uh, a vision of what God has for you in your life. <clears throat> he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. He labored till the going down of the sun to deliver Daniel. Now, God don't make mistakes. Please don't misunderstand. Say, I'm trying to, trying to link him with a faultful man that, that struggles. And, but in all these different things, you start to find God's purpose. God's purpose. It was, you think that was Nebuchadnezzar's something really good, a good quality about Nebuchadnezzar that said, you know what? I think we should deliver our friend Daniel. There's something good about, no, it wasn't no good. It ain't nothing good in any one of us. The only thing good about us is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're, we're just sinners. We're, we're born in this world, shaped in iniquity, come to this world speaking lies. We didn't have to be taught how to lie. You come to this world already knowing how, just under that mark of sin. But now he set his heart, his heart, he set his heart, again, that's italicized, set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. I can promise you and I can prove to you by the Bible that the Lord Jesus set his heart on you before the foundation of the world to deliver you out of every test, trial, and tribulation. Do you believe that? Because, again, it don't matter what I preach to you. You've got to believe it. I can say this all day long. I can read out of this book, the same book that's in your hand, and you don't have to believe it. You don't have to. But this is the truth whether you do or not. He has set his heart to deliver you. Now, and that's from every situation, every situation. Now, as a believer, as a Christian, you've got fires you've got to go through, and you're not going to cry, woe is me. You're not going to, Lord, why is this happening to me? You're like, Lord, I know that your word teaches that all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord. Whether it's tests, whether it's fire, whether it's tribulation or scourgings or mockings, all of those things work together for the good to them that love the Lord. This is the truth. Peter said that all those fiery tests, you will step back and you will count it. That's worth more than gold to me because it changed my character. I'm not the little sorry, whining, moaning, uh, woe is me kind of person I was years ago. Now I've learned to stand up and be strong like a man. I love the Lord. I'm not whining, God, why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? No, I know his purpose. He wants me gone so he can step in. Surrender your life. 
He set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored to the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no king, no decree, nor statute which the king established may be changed. See, they done found out that he done what the king done set his heart on to deliver him. Your enemy knows that God has set his heart on you to deliver you. So Satan come at you every which way trying to foul that up, trying to stop that. But he can't stop your God. Your God is not Nebuchadnezzar. Your God can't be stopped. Cannot be stopped. So they do this. They know. They come back to remind him of his law, remind him of his word. And you see again in that negative contrast. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, your word states that no king, no decree, no statute, no law, no commandment through the laws of the Medes and Persians that it can ever be changed. You understand that, king. And that's a negative look on a positive promise of God. That's a negative look through a man that dies. Now, your word says this. We're taught by the Bible that you go back to God and say, your word says this. And it's not that i got to convince him of his word. I'm going to convince myself of his word, that that promise is unto me and to my children and as many as far off as the Lord our God should call. It's true. And the Bible app said amen. I love the coincidental times. It just happens up and pops on my phone and says Amen. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. You walk in every your test and trial that same way. This looks like it's going to be a rough one. This one might take some skin off, but I know God will deliver me. This might be a hard argument. This might be a tough relationship. This might be a big root of a bitterness. Something like that I've got to go over, but I know my God will deliver me. Ever see, remember, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood. Thy God, whom thou servest continually. You see the promise? That you serve continually. Not on Sundays and Wednesdays. Maybe not come Wednesdays, only on Sundays. You're only a Christian for two or three hours a week. No, it's found. I serve him continually. That, that someone else looking at the fruit of Daniel's life saying, oh, that's obvious. You serve him continuously. You're not a Christian at church. You go home and you're just as bad as anybody else won't live for the lord won't talk about the lord won't you want anything else of this world and you feed on anything else of this world that the purpose okay verse 17 and a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own See, they put him in the den of lions they put him in there a stone was brought, laid him upon the, laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Now, the king's signet and the signet of his lords, this would be the ones that helped, you know, kind of put him in there. They put, you understand, let's seal this. Let's say it's good because they, they want to have a seal as well because God's got a seal and they want to be like God because Satan said, I will be like the Most High. I will sit in the temple of the Most High. I will get worship like the Most High. This is what Isaiah said that Lucifer's desire is, that they put their signet upon it and the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. This is their intent, their will, their purpose. And I've shared with you a lot of that message, Christ the mystery, God revealed. If you'll go back and search God's purpose and walk down through those three different parts where the Ram talked about first, second, and third purpose, God's purpose for you in your life. Now, man's decision or Satan's decision, it would be the more correct influence, they were saying, no, nothing's going to happen, nothing can take him out. Remember, we didn't told you about the law of the Medes and Persians. Obviously, no one can appeal this. No one can come argue this case and get this law broke. He's done. It can't be changed concerning Daniel. 
Satan makes the same decree about you. See, you did this. You did this. He comes before the throne. You did this. You did this. You did this. I'll share a testimony with you. I don't think he'll mind if he's listening. There, there's a brother Mitch was telling me that when he was here just a couple weeks ago, he goes, brother, uh, brother Wendell's church there, that when he was a young man, his family are very, very wealthy, and he was raised pretty wealthy, didn't know the Lord, they weren't Christians, and he said, I was sitting in my apartment one day, and I moved out of the house, I was sitting in my apartment one day, and he said, I had a, a, a couple of friends, a man and a woman, they were, I guess you'll still be considered male, 18, 19, 20 years old, they come to his house, to his apartment, and he's, uh, he said, I'm in my apartment, and, and they come over, and because they get by themselves, they want you know, kind of do things they shouldn't be doing. He said, you know what? Just go home. Just leave me alone. Get out of here. So they leave. He said, and I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in Satan or anything. He didn't believe in either one of them. He said, I'm sitting there. He said, and, and he said, I'm sitting there. He said, and Satan walks in. And it tells me, I'll give you anything you want. He's like, I don't believe in you in no way. You don't exist. You're not real. He said, I'm thinking, am I hallucinating? Am I imagining? Am I dreaming? What's going on? And I might be butchering it if, I'm, if, he, if he hears me. But, but he said, I'm looking at it, and he said, there's no way you're real. I don't believe, you in, believe in you anyway. Don't believe in you anyway. He said, I, all my family are all brown-eyed people. We're all brown eyes. He said, I always wanted blue eyes. He said, I'm sitting there and looking at the devil and saying that you're not real. I know you're not real. He said, okay, if you are real, you say you'll give me anything I want. I want blue eyes. He said, the devil turned around and walked out the door. He said, I'm as atheist as can be. The atheist, whatever that would what he call it, for, if you're an atheist, whatever you are, not believe in Satan. So he was both. He said, over the next few years, my eyes changed from brown to blue. Steadily changed from brown to blue. He said, I wasn't a Christian yet. He said, and then eventually I give my heart to the Lord, start serving the Lord, come to the message. He said, and I was sitting in one day, he said, I started looking in the mirror and thinking about that. Because Satan went on, what do you want? What do you, what's your exchange? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? He said, I'm sitting, didn't accept the message and come into it, give my heart to the Lord. He said, I'm sitting at a, a, a restaurant one day with several other brothers sitting there. He said, and in my mind, I'm not saying this out loud. He said, in my mind, he said, Satan's coming at me. Your eyes are blue. I own you. Your eyes are blue. I own you. And he's sitting there. He said, I haven't said a word. He said, I kind of got my eyes dropped like that right there. He said, and Satan's telling me that. He said, and right then, just as random and off the wall as can be, a brother sitting beside me, he said, that's it, right now. He said, he's standing before the Father, bringing that to you, trying to prove that he owns you. He said, but he don't. God don't see it. He said, I ain't told nobody ever in my entire life, ever, what happened. He did not know what I was thinking. I'm sitting there. Satan's putting that condemnation on me. He said, this brother out of the blue stands up and says that. He is right now before the Father trying to show the contract that he thinks he has on you. And God says, I don't even see it. Your accuser. Satan's called the accuser of the brethren for a reason. He tricked you into it tricked you into it you're not guilty of it because jesus said i've loosed you from your sins and washed you in my blood that it's as though you never did it to start with that's what he said that's not my words that's not me trying to justify the things i've done you're never going to be able to justify that god said i wash you I heard a brother saying here recently, and I, I thought it was very interesting. You think about right now in your life how many things you've forgotten in your life. And if you could, you know, you know, you know very vaguely, well, I could say a lot. But when it comes to your sin, why do you remember it so freshly? Why do you remember it as if it had just happened? Why won't it go away? Because if it goes away, you can't testify the grace of God. 
Well, I'd like to share with you what I once did, but I really can't remember, so maybe he can't forgive you too. But you won't forget it because you know what you was redeemed from. Yes, he took him out of his mind and put him in a sea of forgetfulness, but you won't forget it because you know you're redeemed. No one's going to come along and convince you, no, you weren't that bad. You weren't worthy of hell. No, I was worthy of hell. I was worthy of chunked as far in the lake of fire as you can throw me, and he made a change, and I thank him for it. He said, the servant of the living God, the servant of the living God, he rose, I'm jumping ahead, might not be changed concerning Daniel. That, that purpose might not be changed, and this is what Satan's want. He still wants to steal, kill, and destroy. It's what he wants for your life. Then the king went to his palace, and he passed the night fasting. Neither, again, he's starting to learn. The king's really starting to catch on. Years ago, he might have been knotted up, but it didn't say that he spent all night long fasting and praying for Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But now, he's unseen what God will do, and he spent the night fasting for him. And neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. The king, then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste under the den of lions. When he came to the den, he cried with a, with a lamentable, a lamentable, lamentable, lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest, again, there he is again, whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions. It is enemy. Not his enemy, but not a not him. He done twice now said, you serve God continually. Then the next day, you serve God continually. That makes me happy to see. That the God that you serve continually, able to deliver thee from the lions. Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. O king, live forever. Now, I'm going to read a few of these other verses to let you understand that, that, that you don't just get chunked in a den full of hungry lions and walk out, live to tell about it. You don't just, you know, at least they're going to nibble a little bit. They're very hungry. Very, very hungry. What made them not? Because no evil shall befall thee. He who hides under the shadow of the Almighty, the lions can't touch. He said, my God, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel. My God, this is Daniel's testimony. My God has sent his angel. Now, it's easy to feel. Anybody ever felt the presence of an angel before? You felt the presence of an angel before. Now, that anointing, they're lending that influence, that anointing. When you start to worship the Lord and you can't keep your hands down, you can't keep your voice quiet, that's an angel lending that influence. And we'll, we'll get into Ezekiel here in a minute and we'll, we'll show about how those angels, God has those there. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord encamp around those that fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That you fear the Lord, you live for the Lord, you serve the Lord continually. So Daniel's telling him, here's what happened. You chucked me in the den of hungry, very, very hungry, very, very, oh, very, very hungry lions. You threw me in there. And yes, animals can feel that presence as well. But I guarantee you those, those, those lions saw the same light that I'm going to describe to you a little bit in Ezekiel. That same pillar of fire that come in the room. That same pillar of fire that led the children of Israel through the wilderness. That same pillar of fire that caught Paul on the road to the Saul on, before he became Paul on the road to Damascus. That same pillar of fire. Daniel's testifying that when you put me in here, the angel of the Lord come in with me. You read it. 
You read it. My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. He come with me. My God has sent his angel, shut the lion's mouth, that they've not hurt me for as much before him. Innocency was found in me. Also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Now, we don't have time to get into Solomon's life and, and what God did in that, that, ministry, that administration where that, through that gift that was in his life in that time for a purpose, it was almost a millennium condition. In that room, that was a millennium condition. In that den of lions, he turned that den of lions that was probably not lit, that was probably didn't smell good, that was probably not warm, heated, cooled, whatever the, the temperature it was, but he turned that den of lions into a millennium condition. Because in the millennium, in that thousand-year reigns, a child will play over the hole of, a, of an asp, of a snake, that the lion will lay down by the lamb and will not do no hurt. Goes back to an eating condition. Remember, you're getting back to an eating condition. Before the fall, there was no death whatsoever. No lion ever ate a lamb. No lion ever killed it. All these things, it goes back to that condition through the presence of the Lord. You follow me? that it turned that situation in the presence of the Lord. Now, as you see a man's life, and as it goes through these, it, it, it gives you details, but it's real quickly, like most of the scripture, that if you're just trucking along, that you won't say, okay, I, I see what you're saying. Now, if you were to go back, and I want to figure out why would God send an angel, why would God send an angel to protect this man, but then you can find it in Nebuchadnezzar's testimony about him. You serve the Lord daily, nightly, continually. That's all you do is serve of the Lord not just you know on the spare of a moment not just for when it pleased you but all you do is serve the Lord and because of that he comes and fellowships with you you live for the Lord you surrender to the Lord everything about you is saturated with the Holy Ghost like I said it changes everything it changes everything now let me tell you, just to prove to you how bad it was. Then was the king, verse 23, exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him. No manner of hurt was found upon him. Now did we read in these verses that he was bound and thrown in? No manner, no manner. He didn't have handcuff chafing. He didn't have shackle chafing. You know, bruises from having, you get bruises from wearing handcuffs. Much less on shackles. No manner of hurt whatsoever. He was not hurt in any way whatsoever because he believed in his God. Oh, it can't be that simple. It can't be that easy. Because. Can the scripture really know what he's talking about when he says that the denouement, the proof, the effect, uh, the, because of all these things is because he believed in his God. The scripture is the only thing that is true. The king commanded. Now here's to prove that he changed the room because it just went back. The king commanded and they brought those men which had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions them their children their wives and the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den so the, the, the men their women and their children were thrown in there they never even got to hit bottom they were dead the lions were so hungry, so raging that they leap off the floor to catch their food as it comes in and tears it to pieces before it ever hit the ground. This is minutes after Daniel left it. 
minutes after Daniel left it. So it tells you that presence, that anointing is wherever Daniel went. David would say, though I make my bed in hell, thou art with me. Though I, again, what makes anything heaven is that wherever the Lord Jesus is. Wherever he is, that's what makes it heaven. They never even got to hit the floor. Never got to hit the floor. Verse 27, he delivereth and he rescueth and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. He delivereth, he rescueth. That's what God does. Now jump back to the book of Ezekiel. We hit on last Sunday, I believe it was, just briefly on those four living creatures. There in Revelations 5, I believe it's Revelations 5, those four living creatures. Now, Ezekiel had a similar vision, was allowed to see these four living creatures, and we, we talked about in the last few weeks about the, the, four and 20, the 24 elders that are before the throne, the four living creatures that are before the throne, but you actually have five because you have the living God there as well. But you have the four and the 12 before the throne. Now, start with there at verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. If we have time to get into this, this will really bless your heart. As I was reading through this, and, and you see what God does, and we'll have to jump just for time, to just to jump, let's skip over a few verses because of running out of time. It came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives. And again, interestingly, was is italicized. He, like John, is translated. He's moved. I was among the captives by the river of Chebar, that the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God. The heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Shabar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. And I looked to behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself. A fire is spinning inwardly on itself. A fire, you're reading that, enfolding itself. A fire was enfolding itself. And a brightness was about it. A brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. Also, out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Everyone had four faces. Everyone had four wings. And their feet were straight feet. Their feet were straight feet. And the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot. They sparkled like the color of burnished brass. They had the hands of a man under their wings. They had the hands of a man under their wings. Now this is saying they had in plural. The hands of a man under their wings. On their four sides, they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went every one straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man, the face of a lion on the right side, and the four had the face of an ox on the left side, the four also had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces, and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined, one to another, and two covered their bodies. Now, um, that would be quite an interesting sight to see. And then you've you got to imagine, I, I mean, I've never had a vision before, so I don't know what, you know, you're writing it down, how are you, you going to keep that in memory? I, I, it looked like this, it looked like this, it looked like this. You, you just, it's something you're not going to ever forget. 
They went everyone straight forward. There he goes again. They went everyone straight forward. He's just said this three times now. Their feet were straight. They went everyone straight forward. And here they are in verse 12. They went everyone straight forward. Moses' decree from the Holy Ghost was, don't cry unto me, speak and go forward. You find this all through the scriptures. <clears throat> Whither their spirit was to go, they went. They went everyone straight forward. Whither the spirit was to go, they went. And they turned not when they went. They turned not when they went. Wherever the spirit went, they went. And they turned not when they went. Whatever he said do, whatever he said say. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire. They looked like them. The appearance was like a burning coal of fire. And the, like the appearance of lamps, it went up and down among the living creatures. This appearance, this fire, up and down amongst the living creatures. Watch as it describes them. Amongst the living creatures, and the fire was bright. And out of the fourth, out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. They ran and they come back and it looked like a zigzag flash of lightning. That's the only way he knows to describe it. Ezekiel's looking at this. He sees them. They go do something. They come right back. Whatever God's will was. And I beheld the living creatures. Behold, one wheel upon the earth by the living creatures with his four faces. Watch these wheels. As I behold the living creatures, behold one wheel on the earth by the living creatures with his four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their work. The appearance of the wheels and their work. It's going to describe the wheel and the wheel is the one doing the work. It's the motive. It's the, it's the, it's the, the instrument. Is the, is the appearance of the wheels and their work was like under the color of a barrel. Barrel, or however you want to say that word. They four had one likeness, and their appearance and their work was as it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. We're getting into his description now. These were uh, the Old Testament representations of the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they described him as a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Christ is the head of his body. The wheel in the middle of a wheel. I'll read that to you again. The appearance of the wheels and their work was like unto the color of a barrel. They four had one likeness. They had one likeness. You know whose likeness that is. That's his. They had one likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Their appearance and their work was as it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. So if, if Jesus is called the wheel in the middle of the wheel, the stone he out of the mountain without hands, the I am, the one in the burning fur, the, the fire, so the burning furnace, the one that was, that was there on the road to Damascus, he's the same one. And you know that that's who that is, and that, that, that he's that wheel in the middle of the wheel, and they only have one likeness, it's going to be his likeness. We read that to you on Wednesday night. You will, as you near Christ, you'll become the very image of Christ. As you near Christ, you'll become the very image of Christ. <clears throat> so when they went, they went upon their four sides. They turned not when they went. Again, that's four times now. They've let you know wherever they go, they're not here and there zigzagging. No, God said go there. I go there. I'm not him hawing. I'm not goofing off. I, he said do that. I'm going to go do that. And then I'll return until he's ready for me again. As for their rings... Their rings, they were so high that they were dreadful. 
their rings were full of eyes round about them four. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. When the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. What's it sound like? When they went, they, back verse 17, when they went, they went upon their four sides. They turned not when they went. As for their rings, they were so high that they were dreadful. Their rings were full of eyes round about them four. And when, a, when the living creatures went, when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. When the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. You know that Elisha, it was Elisha's testimony about what happened to Elijah. You understand nobody else was there. I don't know how far away the sons of the prophets were if they were able to see that chariot of fire come down, but I think the most, at the very least, the most, um, uh, you know, the best well, firsthand uh, you know, identification of that would have been Elisha's. He said, we're walking along arm in arm or shoulder to shoulder. The Bible says walking side by side is what the Bible says. Walking along side by side in this chariot of fire burst right between the two of them and its wheels were on fire. Everything was on fire. And it took him off the earth. Everybody with me? So you understand we're not just talking about a description. We're talking about a rapture. Wherever they go, we go. Wherever they go, we go. Led by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, in these eyes, the Bible talks about in Revelations about the seven eyes of the Lord or the seven spirits of the Lord. But you understand that's an attribute. That's a manifestation as God chooses to move there in that mode, in that part, whether he's a redeemer, whether he's a restorer, whether he's a healer, whether he's a lifter of your head, whether he's a creator, whether he's a friend that sticks close to the brother, whatever those might be, it's still God all the time. Self, same one, all the time. Self, same one, all the time. Verse 21. I want to read that again. When those went, these went. When those went, these went. When those stood, these stood. When those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up over against them for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. The spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. Every Old Testament manifestation or representation of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. Any angel that's come it is meant to be a messenger from the throne. It's meant to come in the stead of. It's not to mean instead of, but I'm here on his behalf. I'm here on his order. I'm here on his leading. I'm doing exactly what he says. And don't look at me, only look at him. I'm not coming my name. I'm not coming the name of XYZ angel. This is where Lucifer stumbled and struggled. He said, I'm here in my name. It's not Lucifer's name. It's the great I am's name. And that's where Lucifer got, he said, I want to be lifted up. I want to be made like the most high. And honest, a truthful, a right servant would say, no, 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 not me, him. Not me, him. Now, for time, we're going to jump forward over to Ezekiel chapter 11. No, we got, we, we can take just a few minutes. Let's squeeze this in in chapter 10. <coughs> chapter 10. We've got a little bit more time. Chapter 10, verse 1. Then I looked to behold in the ferment that was above the head of the cherubims. There appeared over them as it were a sapphire stone as the appearance of the likeness of a throne. Above their head, 
in the firmament above their head. It appears as a sapphire stone as the appearance of the likeness of a throne. Uh, and no other way that I can say that, no other way that I can break this down to you to let you know that you see his throne above their heads. Everybody on the same page. You ought to understand what you're seeing right now. And he spake unto the man clothed with linen and said, Go in between the wheels, go in between the wheels, even under the cherub, and fill thy hand with coals of fire. Now, I just bounced back to, for, uh, I think it's First King, Second Kings, where he's uh, describing that chariot of fire that come down and took Elijah. So you know in your mind, when you think about that chariot of fire, you can, in your mind, probably see it all on fire, see it really on fire. Everybody's got a good enough imagination to be able to picture that. So he said, I spake unto the man, clothed with linen, and said, go in between the wheels, even under the cherub, and fill thine hand with the coals of fire from between the cherubims, and scatter them over the city, and he went in my sight. Now, we don't have time to jump to Isaiah chapter 6. You need to write it down and read it later. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is talking about after the death of Uzziah, Uzi, Uzziah, he said that I was caught up in the spirit of the Lord. I'm taking into that throne room. He said, as I'm sitting there, he said, I'm seeing the glory of the Lord and I see these cherubims or seraphims, I don't know what he called them. He said, they have six wings, two on their back, you know, all up down their back, two upon their feet. And, and all they did all day long, that, that four of those wings, it covered their face and their body. And they just flew around all day long crying, holy, 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 all day long crying holy and worship and praise to God. This was their sole purpose. And Isaiah sees this scene and he, he comes in this throne room and, and you think about that song, The Heart of Worship. He said, I, I'm sorry for the Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things that I made it. That you made it about just coming to see somebody, just coming to, to do anything else but just fall upon your face. Lord, Lord, I worship you with all that's within me. And we're each one were guilty of that at one time or another. But he said, I'm looking at this scene, and Isaiah's description is, woe is me, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And an, altar, an angel goes to the altar and pulls a coal of fire off of the altar and touches Isaiah's lips. Isaiah just said, woe is me, I am undone, a man of unclean lips. And an angel takes a coal of fire and touches his lips. He spake unto the man clothed with linen and said, Go in between the wheels, even the cherub, fill thine hand with coals of fire. Now it's not just one, but coals of fire from between the cherubims, scatter them over the city, and he went in, in my sight. Now the cherubims stood on the right side of the house when the man went in, and the cloud filled the inner court. The inner court, the cloud filled the inner court. Then... Verse 4, then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and stood over the threshold of the house and the house was filled with a cloud and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. This ain't no ordinary church service. Full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. And the sound of the cherubim's wings was heard even to the outer court. He moved into the inner court. But the sound of it can even be heard to the outer court. The glory of the Lord. To hear what he's doing. That's a pretty good church service right there. The sound of the cherubim's wings was heard even in the outer court as the voice of the almighty God when he speaketh. As the voice 
of the Almighty God when he speaketh. And it came to pass that when he commanded the man clothed with linen, saying, Take fire from between the wheels, from between the cherubims. Then he went in and stood beside the wheels. And one cherub stretched forth his hand from between the cherubims under the fire that was between the cherubims, took thereof, and put it into the hands of the him that was clothed with linen, who took it and went out. And there appeared in the cherubims the form of a man's hand under their wings. There appeared in the cherubims, earlier it talked about their hands. Now it's talking about the form of a man's hand. The form of a man's hand. If you were to describe this hand, you can go back to the book of Daniel. Well, right now it'd be forward to the book of Daniel. That is it, um, is it Belshazzar? That they're sitting there and they took all these articles in the house of the Lord and the temple of the Lord, all the cups, the plates, all these different things, and they're having their feasts and all those things there in that. And there appears a man's hand that writes on the wall, Mini, Mini, Tekot, Laparsin. Mini, Mini, that appeared a man's hand. It looked just like this hand, I promise you. See, Moses said, I saw a hand write out the tablets of stone. Rolled out each one with a man's hand. You know whose hand this is. There appeared in the cherubim the form of a man's hand under their wings. And when I look, behold, they're doing the will of the Lord. You understand they're doing the will of the Lord. There appeared in the cherubims the form of a man's hand under, his, under their wings. And when I look, behold, the four wheels by the cherubims, one wheel by one cherub, another wheel by another cherub, and the appearance of the wheels was as the color of a barrel stone. We just read this to you earlier, that barrel stone, this color. We're, you know, we're in that rainbow covenant, the seven colors of the rainbow. This gives a light. It gives a certain color when it shines through it. When it shined through it, that this color was as a barrel stone. And verse 10, as for their appearances, as for their appearances, it's talking about the wheels now, these four wheels on this chariot, these four wheels, as for their appearances, the wheel, that they four had one likeness, one likeness, as if a wheel had been in the midst of a wheel. They look like him. They move like him. She is him. The forehead one likeness as if a wheel had been in the midst of a wheel. When they went, they went upon their four sides. They turned not as they went, but to the place where the head looked, they followed it. They turned not as they went. He keeps saying that. He keeps coming back to that. They went one direction. It went straight forward. Never turned to the left, never turned to the right. Wherever he went, she went. Whatever he did, she does. He said, these works that I do shall you do also, but greater than these because I go to my Father. Greater works than these. When they went, they went upon their four sides. They turned not as they went, but to the place whither the head looked, to the place whither the head looked, because Christ is the head of his body, whither the head looked, my goodness, they followed it. They turned not as they went. And their whole body, their backs and their hands and their wings and the wheels were full of eyes round about, even the wheels that they four had. As for the wheels, it was cried unto them in my hearing, O wheel, one body, many members, one body. Many members, we went from talking about wheels to now being cried out to O wheel. O bride, 
And everyone had four faces. The first face was the face of a cherub. Second face was the face of a man. The third the face of a lion. The fourth the face of an eagle. And the cherubims were lifted up. This is a living creature that I saw by the ribbon of Shabar. This is where we open right here in Ezekiel chapter 1. This same one that he was telling you 10 verses, chapters before that. He said, this is the living creature that I saw then. First I saw him there. Now I see him here. And the cherubims were lifted up. And he said, this is the living creature. Verse 16, and when the cherubims went, the wheels went by them. When the cherubims lifted up their wings to mount up from the earth, the same wheels also turned not from beside them. And when they stood, these stood. When they were lifted up, these lifted up themselves also. For the spirit of the living creature was in them. They're not saying on them. He said, I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. There's a difference. Emmanuel means God with us. You had the pillar of fire that moved with the children of Israel. He was always there. But it's a big difference from being there as moved around the pillar of fire as being here. That now he's saying that the pillar of fire was in them. In them. How beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. My goodness. Do you love the Lord today? What a, what a promise. And it's italicized is in them. This is the prophecy. Then the glory of the Lord departed from off the threshing, off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubims. The glory of the Lord departed off the threshold of the house. Now, if you stop right there, and, and I understand that it's meaning uh, to be the threshold stepping over from one to the other. From the out to the in, from the in to the out. But we're also in the time of the harvest. And it's also likened unto a threshing floor, to a harvest. And the way that threshing process would work, that you would take that hay, they would do it in the cool of the evening. They would do it in the cool of the evening. They would take it, and they would take it and pitch it up in the air. And that barn would be set up in a certain way that the wind would blow through and blow all the chaff out, and only the seed remained. And they could take that harvest. And take it wherever you want to put it. See, like I said, this is the time of the harvest. That the sickle, we, we, we touched on that recently about his sickle put into the earth. The threshing floor, the threshing hole, the threshold. Where was that? Verse 19. The cherubims lifted up their wings, mounted up from the earth in my sight. When they went out, the wheels were also beside them. And everyone stood at the door of the east gate of the Lord's house. And the glory of the Lord of Israel was over them. The glory of the Lord was over them above. This is the living creature I saw under the God of Israel by the river of Chabar, and I knew that they were the cherubims. Everyone had four faces apiece. Everyone had four wings. And the likeness of the hands of a man, the likeness of the hands of a man was under their wings. The likeness of their faces was the same faces which I saw. Their appearances in themselves, they went everyone straight forward. As we started in this right here, and we can all have you musicians come, which all but one's missing at the moment, that it went from being in a in a in a uh, you know in a um, infancy stage, in an infancy stage. This is what will be. This is what will happen, and and this is what they'll look like. It'll resemble him. It'll look like him. It'll smell like him. She'll talk like him. She'll prophesy like him. Her life will be lived like his. You believe me on that this morning. And then as you walk through that and you see what the glory of the Lord literally changes them to where they're no longer just in prophecy, but now you have the fruit and the fruition of it. How great are his works amongst his people. 
how great is what he has in store for us. And I've said this many times that this isn't anything that you've done. This is all the blessings of the Lord and what God has for us in our lives. How could you not love him back? Let's all stand our feet this morning. Let's sing that song, Charity, How Could You Not Love Him Back? How could you not love him back? How could you hold back your heart for even another day? How could you not love him back when you think of his love and grace? How could you not love him back? Oh, oh, how could you not love him back? How could you hold back your heart for even another day? How could you not love him back when you think of his love and grace? How could you not love him back? Sing that again. Oh, how could you not love him back? How could you hold back your heart? Oh, another day. How could you not love him back? When you think of his love and grace, how could you not love him back? Thank you, Lord, for
Christ-like character shining out all around us, Lord. We appreciate you, and we pray you'd have your way in us. In your lovely, lovely name, amen. 
Let's sing that song again. Just want to love you. Is that your desire this morning? Oh, Jesus, I just. 